Hello and welcome to Indie Filmopolis, a podcast dedicated to indie film and filmmaking. I'm Philip Pugh, an independent filmmaker and indie film enthusiast. This episode I'll be talking to Brandon Agan, a filmmaker who has very successfully transitioned into production design, racking up an impressive set of credits in a relatively short period of time. As a production designer, he's worked on TV shows, feature films and music videos for the likes of Missy Elliott, Lionsgate Films and indie favourite Kevin Smith on his upcoming horror anthology, Kilroy Was Here. So, thanks for joining me today, Brandon. I can't wait to delve into your short film and production design work, but let's kick things off with a bit of an introduction. Where are you based, primarily, and how long have you been working in the industry? So I am currently in Tampa, Florida, primarily, uh, is where I'm based out of most of the time. And through there, I started my production career pretty heavily in Tampa doing a lot of like advertising and commercial work. A lot of short film scene over there is pretty popular. And kind of as I started to get uh, progressing through my career, and eventually I started traveling outside of Tampa, that was always kind of the home base. So I've been in production 10 years now is actually the big mark. This this year is the 10th year. So that's kind of been a big, exciting point for me, you know, just professionally uh, hitting that point. Fantastic. So, so you said there's a lot of short films going on where you're based. Any other kind of big industry or is it mostly in Hollywood? I think the big thing in Tampa that has a lot of uh, commercial work, that's mm-hmm. kind of like for me where things really were going off was like reality television and commercial work was really yeah. big. And so with that, I got really familiar with doing a lot of big commercial, like, you know, you do like a big product commercial. So you do a commercial uh-huh. for like, a uh, shampoo or you do a, sh- a commercial for like a big perfume company or like a chef's cooking line of like a popular chef that's coming out. So like we would do a lot of those kind of like really more or less all packaged in a similar fashion of like high fashion, high profile, big flashy cut type yeah. of editing. Um, and so that kind of was like my bread and butter for a while was mm-hmm. that type of work. Um, and then every so often we would be doing commercials that were smaller commercials that we could show, get a little more creative with. So my whole thing was always doing comedy. So we would get like a commercial for like a plumbing company, for instance, Mm -hmm. and the plumbing company's mascot, for whatever particular reason, they rebranded it. Their mascot was a big knight. It was okay. like a knight in shining armor type of yeah. situation. So we were like, okay, well, let's make up these commercials where this knight starts coming into people's houses just randomly, <laughs> just out of nowhere, sort of like super dry humor, like yeah. just appearing out of nowhere. Like he's supposed mm. to be the knight in shining armor, but it kind of comes off as kind of a little creepy and just random. And so he comes to save the day and he'll like fix an appliance or he'll you know, do this, that, or the other. And so we kind of made these commercials where this small client for making commercials, but big client as far as being a plumbing company in Tampa, they were huge. Yeah. So they made like six commercials with us over like a two-year period. And it was cool because they were playing throughout the town and or in Tampa, mainly primarily mm-hmm. Tampa, playing everywhere. And it was just fun because we had kind of felt like we got gotten away with getting something aired that was a little bit more like obscure like they were saying like they would get phone calls where the commercials were doing really well but they weren't doing very well with the elderly people (laughs) like 
60s, 70s up. Yeah. They were getting really confused and upset as to like what the whole point of the commercials were. Yeah. But online and on YouTube, they said that they were doing really well. So that was kind of like, that was a big part of my career was still in Tampa, working on a lot of content like that, like juggling between getting those moments and then doing a lot of the day-to-day big client-ish type of videos that we would do. And that was where I was at for a minute. And when I decided to go back to become a freelancer, mm-hmm. that's where the next step started progressing into like figuring out, I, I had been a freelancer before I had been doing a lot of these client videos like early, early in my career. Yeah. And then when I was going back to freelancing, it was like the second go at it. It was like the second time going back out as a freelancer after I had kind of stayed put learning a certain amount of skills for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. And so when I went back out to freelance the second time, it was trying to basically like take what I had learned and like cement myself and like, what could I do in a career mindset of like making this be something I can make, make money off of and really have like a long lasting career and advance myself and but still be freelance basically. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like what that path over, over time kind of looks like. Awesome. So just stepping back a bit then, when you were making short films, how does how do your short film work fit into your first bout of freelancing and your second lot and when you were doing all these commercials? So the short film was like, it was the first one that I had done, I Am Super, which was yeah. like kind of a fun superhero in real life type of thing I was kind of going with. That one, I think we did that one around 2016. That was actually, no, that was actually, I think that was even longer ago. I'm actually thinking probably more like 2013, 2014. That that long back is when we had done that one. And I got into that because I was freelancing, but like bottom of the barrel, like looking yeah. on, like just trying to find any type of project I could find to make some money. And I was kind of at the point where I was doing like all these different jobs and I had such a weird schedule where like I was working at night and then sometimes I was working in the day and I was just working. So I had all this extra like free time at my hands to like mm-hmm. start working on some other stuff. And so I started just like getting to the point where I was like, all right, I just want to make a movie. I don't, mm-hmm. I just want to finally like have gotten the first one done just because like, I feel like it, you, you, you bring up, you build up the whole idea of making your first short film and Sometimes I think people get so focused on wanting it to be what'll probably end up being like their seventh short film or their 10th short film, be the first one, which is great, but you get so stuck in that place. Sometimes you just never get off the ground. And so I was like, I just need to do it. Like, I don't even know if this is fully a good story to start with. I'm just going to go with this. Like I had a basis of what I wanted to do. Like it was like a guy has a heart condition that means he's going to die in like a certain amount of time. And so his resolve to dying in a certain amount of time is to like put on a costume and like be a superhero type of idea. And at the time when I was in Tampa, I I didn't really have a lot of like, I had been doing a lot of editing and different more production stuff like that. I hadn't really Mm -hmm. met people that were what I needed to do like a film. Like I didn't have any like friends that were DPs or any friends that did sound. So I was again, just at a point where I was like, I just need to get this done so what's the most efficient way and I was like screw it like I was just like let's just post post everything on Craigslist and I got people that actually were interested in like meeting up and so like person for sound or person that was a a DP you know and all these different people and and it was starting to come together and the big thing that was the biggest meeting was 
a meeting with a guy named Brandon Hyde. He was a guy who wanted to shoot this film. And again, this is like seven years ago, I believe. So we were, were meeting and I've met with a couple other people. And I met with one guy before I met with Brandon who was really interesting. He was like a student and a senior and he was really smart. He, he seemed like he had a really lot of these great ideas. Yeah. And then I met this guy, Brandon, and Brandon seemed a little bit older, not you know, just old enough that you could tell he wasn't a senior in college. He was probably in his early to mid twenties, you know, mm -hmm. just kind of working through things or something like that. And so I meet with him and, and he's just got these great ideas. Like he just, he, he likes the idea of what to do with it. And he likes the idea of like shooting it in a way that can make it feel like whimsical and very like focused on fun indie moments, but also try to make it feel like as elevated as this movie would realistically be from a, from an action or superhero standpoint. So he just got it and it made a lot of sense. And what ended up happening was me and Brandon shot this film together and we collaborated so well to where he was really, you know, it's a short film. It was like independent is everything. So yeah. everything a little bit more time taken into every detail a little bit more. And so me and Brandon ended up working together um, on that film and then going forward through the rest of my career, we've actually now shot together like big feature films um, with him as a DP and me working as a production designer, which has been really fun to kind of see happen. That's cool. And I guess sort of the old adage of um, it's not what you know, it's who you know, has that played into, you know, have you helped each other get those jobs or is it just coincidence that you ended up working together? I think that's kind of, exactly kind of the idea of, of what we like unspokenly both were planning like between us and other people in our friend group where it was like uh, as we go through these jobs together like the whole goal was that we always wanted to work together as you go through freelance that's obviously not always going to be the case and so there'd be times where we'd be working on separate shoots and maybe sometimes you can get uh, a friend of yours to come on for a couple of days on a shoot you're already on or maybe you're hiring because you're a, you know, a department head and you can get other people on or you know the department head. So we always would try to help each other out. And as we kind of grew up, grew into the roles that we wanted to play, mm -hmm. you know, we would still try to help each other out and, you know, cross departments, helping our friends get on these projects. And it just so happened that I had worked with Brandon on a movie that was like, basically for this production company, the idea was like, this movie will help green light several other movies that we have deals from, you know, studios to like basically make these big movies, like make right. these different priced movies happen. It was like, mm -hmm. here's money to make like a, a medium budget film. Here's money to make a couple small budget features. And so we did this one movie together and he was the DP and I was the production designer. And then it went well enough that we spent like a year together shooting nothing but features Mm -hmm. for different companies and in that time is when we had done like the kevin smith film for instance on that we've we shot we worked together on that um you know a couple of these like lionsgate films that we've done together yeah. and just different things like that where we were helping ourselves out at that point in our careers not just me and brandon but some of the other guys and girls that i had worked with on that mm -hmm. we were all kind of helping each other out because those films were kind of the, some of the first bigger features that we were doing that had some type of like exposure behind them or names behind them mm -hmm. and then going forward it's helped get other jobs i think like when more of us go out and like i've been traveling out of tampa a lot in the last couple of years and i've been in different places where i haven't really known all of the guys that i've kind of come up with but 
you've got these projects now that you've worked on with your friends and that have kind of helped get you up to a better level. And so mm-hmm. then kind of exactly like what you're saying, it's who you know and not necessarily yeah. anything else sometimes. It really mm-hmm. helps to just have the right people around, I think. Absolutely. So that's awesome. So I actually didn't realize that I Am Super was your, I knew it was your first big short film, but I didn't realize it was your first short film, period. Um, so you made it. Before that, it was like, you know, smaller things before that, but like really, I'm talking like grade school and high school right. type stuff where you just like should have shoot out with your buddies. So that was kind of the first time, yeah, we had like a crew and we actually had like real things to make it a film. Yeah, because it's a great film. It's a really, really, really top-notch production. I, you know, I wouldn't have pegged it as somebody's first film, to be honest. And I, I appreciate that. I think nowadays I look back at it as, like, it's fun to go back to because of how much was put into it, how much yeah. time. Uh, but I'm Super was weird because, like, it ended up being, like, this really weird cut time of, like, 35 minutes or, like, yeah. just, like, just too long to be a short and like just too short to be anything of a feature. And so it was mm-hmm. just like this really weird cut where we were like, maybe this is just more like a concept piece. which is like a proof of concept of like what this could be. And like, we'll come back to it later. We kind of always talked about like doing like a, a, a an even more cool version of that yeah. story, like dialed up to 11 a little bit uh-huh. more. Um, and then, so in the meantime, I was like, okay, well, it's like, I want to do something totally different, like a totally different type of project. And we were entering this, film festival actually it was like one of those like kind of like a 48 hour challenge but it was um two weeks like film challenge and you had mm-hmm. to make a certain type of film with all these characteristics and so i was like yeah, this is like at the height of like a lot of the big zombie craze especially yeah it'd really be cool to make like some type of like really cool simple simple storyline zombie film but like mm-hmm. maybe it would be cool if it was like not as much about the zombie more about like the guy who's dealing with like living in the apocalypse like a monkey yeah. this, this like quarantine town like he never left the quarantine town he just like stayed by himself uh-huh. and so we did this film where it was like no dialogue almost entirely i think it takes like it's like a 15 minute film and out of 15 minutes it takes like six or seven minutes for yeah. any dialogue to be spoken and so i thought that that was like fun that we just had it be mostly music and it was so different than i am super it was like a lot more like serious tone it was a lot more uh not dark but more just like uh there was no comedy element to it at all uh and it was a lot more shorter format and i had to like cram a lot into a little bit of time i really was happy with like that part of it Mm -hmm. um and then after that like i had two more projects that were supposed to be happening that never saw the light of day and the first one was this really cool film i was writing where i was like all right the next one i do i want it to be like a like a talking focused film i wanted it to be mostly about the dialogue and i wanted it to be about like the characters and not so much about like the the world of like a guy being a superhero or like of a zombie thing just more like a regular place in the modern day and there's just like a lot of drama tension family drama type of stuff like i thought yeah. that would be fun so i wrote this film about and it was supposed to be like 20 minute film I, again was trying to keep stuff really concise this time mm-hmm. and that was what i had learned from like i am super was like as much as i liked it i didn't like how it just had this really weird time even after cutting it down a lot it was just right. kind of off on time so i was like okay i'll make this like 20 minute film and it, it was like about these two brothers these two estranged brothers one of them has moved away uh, to like a nice yesy part of New York. And then the other one stays in this kind of like old town and the older brother. 
and their father has passed away and it's kind of all these like stories are to unravel you know the, the father was an alcoholic and he was abusive and the older brother had his younger brother go away to kind of like avoid the abuse and he stayed there and it's kind of this cool drama film that we were doing and like we had cast it and we had like done the read-throughs and it was mm-hmm. going to be really great we had some really cool actors that were going to like do some really cool things with the roles and just really help us i, I just i thought it was gonna be a lot of fun and then it was just like a stupid thing of like funding we weren't getting much but i was able to like go through and get some funding at moments for like different films you know a couple thousand here or something mm-hmm. like that you know, just to be able to, and this was some one of those things where, like, we put together a cool script. It was mostly dialogue. It was one location, pretty much the whole film. And it was, like, the, the whole film took place on just the same day of yeah. the funeral. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. And so it was like, we were like, yeah, we can do this for, like, $4,000. We can just shoot this quick 20-minute film, and, like, it'll be cool. And I think we, like, just didn't have enough of it at the end. Right. Like, we had, like, just almost the amount it wasn't enough to like push forward it was like yeah let's just call it quits so that one didn't work out and then the biggest one i don't know if i've told you this story was when i was working in advertising this was probably you know i had been really busy so i hadn't really worked on anything since i had written out that script i was writing stuff but i had been focusing on making anything i was kind of waiting to like take a break learn some stuff and then make another film when i felt like i was like ready to put something out that like with solace being the last thing had come out yeah ever came out next had to be like to me super elevated so this was probably at this point like uh 2015 2014 maybe i'm working at this company and it's like i'm I'm in this editing day i'm a a producer at this company that does advertising and, and i'm working on this cut with one of these higher producers and we've got a client in who uh, he does a lot of like entertainment law essentially for the company that I work for. And my boss basically says, Hey, they're, they're talking about my film. They're talking about solace. They're talking about the film that he had uh-huh. I showed my boss at one point. And, and he was like, you should show him your film. And he was telling me that his, that his friend, he's an entertainment lawyer, but he also does investing for different projects. So I was like, well, well it was like, you know, we're working. It's late. I was like, do we have time right now? And he's like, yeah, we have time like right now. So I, we just stopped what we were doing and I showed yeah. him this 15 minute cut of the film and he really liked it. You know, like mm-hmm. we all were all aware, like it wasn't anything revolutionary, but it was like for what it was and for what we uh, had made in such a quick amount of time. He, mm-hmm. he was interested to know like if there was anything else that I was working on that was larger scale. This was the moment in my life that I learned a lot about contracts and I learned a lot about investing and, yeah. and things that were getting like this because this was a moment where I knew he was going to say something that basically was he wanted to know if I was working on anything that was a feature Mm -hmm. and I was not I was working on more concepts of shorts and I was working on actually some like pilot stuff for like television shows I thought would be fun but I knew that's what he wanted and so he asked me if I was working on anything for a feature and I said yeah absolutely I'm working on something for I've got some ideas and uh he wanted to talk about some ideas so i go to one of my buddies who ended up so the guy that plays uh peter in i am super his name is mike bringier right. he is a guy that when we work together on that film very similar to brandon we've kind of formed a, a bondship where um you know we had a lot of similarities and so he obviously is in solace he has a a pretty good part in in the brothers film that i was writing that ended up getting yeah. wrapped 
and so he he uh was kind of the guy that like i really liked putting in films whether he was like gonna have a, a main role or i i put him in a couple commercials of mine you know mm-hmm. sometimes he had a main role sometimes he had a small role i just liked using him a lot and so I, that would kind of was like a fun thing that we had going where i was like i'm gonna have you just in everything i do yeah. whether it's a small role or a big role i just think mm-hmm. it'd be fun and so he started writing with me and so we were actually getting on a role and we were actually working really well together as like a writing duo. And he was helping mm-hmm. me with these concepts I would have for projects where I would know more or less like what I wanted to do with like the beats and where I wanted to go with it. And we would yeah. flesh it out together. And so I was basically telling him like, I think we have this opportunity to like make a really great film that's going to get financed with mm-hmm. like the script. So we spent this time a couple nights just writing this, pretty good proof of concept script and i I sent it in and they and they really liked it and Mm -hmm. basically what this idea was was that uh we were going to shoot this short version of this feature script i I wanted to be contained enough to where it was really just like a scene in the feature that actually worked really well as just like a short that's about 20 minutes and in the 20 minutes it's actually the point in the film where everything kind of comes into revelation but you find it out right in the short and then from there they wanted to try to make a feature Mm -hmm. and so what this film basically was was basically i like the idea of having uh like a home invasion to me it's always been particularly yeah yeah. someone breaking into your house where you're like Mm -hmm. vulnerable and you're like being yourself and so we had this story where basically it's this woman who thinks that someone's trying to break into her house and murder Mm -hmm. her and through a way that we open the film, you're thinking it's either strangers or you're potentially thinking it might be her husband who's trying to murder her as well. And when we get to the big reveal moment of who it is that's trying to murder her is when the movie kind of does this reveal that you're actually watching an alien abduction film. And that this whole film basically shows this idea of like these uh, women being abducted uh, and, it, and it looking like a homicide case on these women being killed but they're really being abducted vanishing into thin air as like surrogates for these like alien beings type of thing so we were doing this thing that was like we wanted it to be like super like x-files was like a big inspiration of this like very like creepy almost like horror sci-fi of just these creepy elements happening yeah we designed these aliens that were like 11 feet tall and we got far enough in the process when this was greenlit that like we were getting budgets built out and we were basically going to do this short film. It was going to be a $50,000 short film. That was basically what they wanted to do. It was something around like 50 grand, which was great for what we wanted to do because we were going to build these aliens from scratch. And we were putting together, you know, in clay, these alien creatures basically have this puppetry system so that mm. moments that we see the aliens in the film, the glimpses we get was all going to be done like practically. Just getting this short film alone finance and making this if it if the feature doesn't work out this is still a great thing to walk away with yeah, yeah. but then we have these ideas that like this actually might evolve into something else and again i learned at the end of the what what really ended up killing the project it never ended up getting made everything yeah. we were we were casting like we were really in the movements of getting mm-hmm. going was it was contracts i had had like a i had a line producer that was working with me that was helping me figure out the budget so we could make sure that we could actually like looking at it from a business standpoint of like, how can we do this the right way for the right amount of money looks good enough to sell as like a big giant movie. 
And so our bid ended up going a little bit over the, the a certain amount that we were trying to land on. Right. And things just like, you know, everything was amicable, but things just didn't work out. How much money it should have been spent versus how much could be spent. And it was just kind of like a weird thing where I, I learned a lot about dealing with those types of like relationships and those types mm-hmm. of people. And, and so then by the end of that, I just kept writing and just kind of keeping ideas ready whenever something else might kind of come up organically. And then in, in the mix, I just ended up getting involved with production design over time. It was actually an accidental thing, something very different for me. So, so how did that happen? I mean, I tell you, when I saw Solace, there was a lot of shots in that. I thought that, you know, he's got like a, a visual sort of production design head on him anyway so when you went into yeah. doing production design it wasn't like a big surprise i was like okay that's cool because that the one shot in particular from solace is that car park shot it tells you everything and it's just a, like a really great shot so yeah i was kind of like okay this, this makes sense no, i think as a director or somebody who made films like i really like having all of my stuff be very heavily focused on production design but i think mm-hmm. like almost anybody i'm aware of it because i was used to be one of the people that did it like yeah. a lot of don't really understand what the art department does all the time i think obviously there's people like on paper yeah but like the ins and outs and the details you start to like not really get what it is to like where there was a whole period where i didn't even even have that type of position on a set before you know what i mean yeah i was always just as a filmmaker really focused on that myself and Mm -hmm. so i was making sure certain things were happening and i just noticed where certain other projects that were, you know, short films or like independent films, I just feel like they didn't have enough, like there was no thought in that part of it. And I get a lot of the time it was like money focused. Yeah. I figured out there's a lot of ways you get really creative. Yeah, with- totally right. And that's what, that's what made your films stick out to me. You know, it was clear that you'd, you'd gone the extra mile with that. Yeah. Like uh, we tried to like things like production design and a lot of the times like things like music, like with I am super, like we went ahead and like tried our best to get like custom music made and like, mm all these different ways of getting it to just be a little bit more original. Like I wasn't a big fan of like 90% of like stock music that just sounded the same, the same. There was things like that. And there was things like production design and and just trying to figure out ways to like make things be different. You know, like in Solace there's a shot that again, Brandon Hyde shot that film. He also shot, I am super. So he shot both of the films. And that was a big thing for me too, was having him alongside the ride for me because he shot all the commercial, the plumbing commercials I mentioned. He shot all those commercials for me. He shot both of my films. He mm-hmm. was going to be shooting. He was inter- integral during the process of this of the alien sci-fi project that was being made and that was going to be a big thing. Like he was part yeah. of that as well. And like it was a cool, it was a cool time uh, when we were when we were working together exclusively. And then with production design, that's kind of how that happened. Was we had kind of parted ways for a bit. Mm-hmm. and when I had worked at the advertising company. So when I come back to freelance, I'm dipping back into old clients, and I'm trying to figure out kind of like, okay, just need to get my feet landed for a bit. I knew one thing coming out from being a producer. Mm-hmm. Like, I had been an editor for such a long time, and yeah. then I was producing and freelance directing my own projects. And when I went back to freelance, like, I guess I could have been like, yeah, let's just go right back to like, being a director and trying to find those projects but like mm-hmm. at the time I had 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 a two-year-old son my son was two years old at the time right that was a big thing and I felt like I had to progress a 
different way because sure. it was like it was really hard to find a lot of like consistent directing projects that were yeah. like gonna work for what I like had the skills to do and so Brandon was working with this company where they were starting to get these projects um, and they needed to put crews together to make projects that would like impress these people that would like get more projects happening and more projects happening and so they invited me on a, a shoot to art direct mm-hmm. and it went really well and it was like two weeks of, a, of, of an end of a, of a film I basically just kind of did what I would have done on like a short film as like a director it just more focused only on the art part of it of just like yeah. what things could look like you know after I read the script like what this should be and what this could be and it just kind of started off as just like they'd worked with me on my film and mm-hmm. these guys that were part of this company I knew these guys too again about who you know yeah like, you know, my friend Brandon's working with these guys but I knew these guys as well from the time when we all were making projects and this was just their particular venture was trying to get these films off the ground and they mm-hmm. would you know like line produce and production manage these big shoots and then they would hire out guys that they know and then hire out new recruits and kind of like we started building this team and so they thought like I could do what I normally do so I, I went on this project it worked well enough and they wanted me to come out and production design a film for them I don't know. One day I wasn't, I wasn't working in art. Right. And then then the next minute I was kind of falling into this position where I was learning as much as I could Mm -hmm. because I was basically this, this position was coming to me and I was either going to take it and like make use of it or not. And Mm -hmm. what I ended up liking about it was it felt like, it it felt like I was the closest I could get to, uh, to getting being paid to work consistently and kind of being directing, you know, I'm not directing, per se, but I'm directing mm-hmm. sets and I'm creating the looks and, and I'm working with directors and getting close enough that it was kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah, I'd love to still do my own projects, but mm-hmm. if this is as far as I get and this is only going to be where I'm going to be at, I, I'm okay with that too. Because working next to people that I watched films of growing up, yeah, that was a big thing for me. So, you know, and working with actors that I've seen my whole life again, on films that I just admired mm-hmm. and then I'm like, it's surreal, you know, yeah. and I never, I will never not appreciate it. Like you, you have to be professional, but at the same mm-hmm. time, like, there's nothing like taking a moment, like at the hotel afterwards and being like, holy shit, that was yeah. so-and-so from uh-huh. you know, that, you know, like that. So I just took advantage of, of kind of what was being given to me mm-hmm. and made use of it and started trying to figure out as much as I could about it and getting yeah. better at it and trying to enhance my skills. And eventually I found that I was crossing the, the thread over from where I was really like, for the most part, walking away from like the filmmaker thing mm-hmm. and everything I had into like really learning how to become a proper, not just production designer, but I ended up getting to a point where I was production designing and I was set decorating on projects. Mm-hmm a big thing that I was doing if I wasn't production designing. And so I had to learn a lot of certain types of work and skills to kind of make that work too. So it was just figuring out what those jobs were and, and really studying. I studied under a lot, like a lot of people over the last couple of years and kind of yeah. just like made sure I figured out all the ways to kind of make it the best thing I can. And it's been great. You know, there's been a lot of great work that's followed with it because of it. So mm-hmm. 
That's awesome. So you, you said earlier that you think a lot of people aren't too sure what a production designer is and what they do. So for people who are unsure, what is your role as a production designer? What departments do you work with and what are your responsibilities? So basically what we do is from, from the get-go, we start so early on a project before shooting even yeah. you know, an idea sometimes where we're taking a script and we are learning everything about the story and the characters and mm -hmm. the, a lot about how the film is going to be shot and the way that everything is going to kind of come together to help sometimes just complement the film and then sometimes to enhance the film a lot yeah. more through pretty much everything that's in the background of a film. So all of the sets, whether they're all the practically built sets or locations that are modified or even when it's done in in three rendering or when they do green screen, you know, yeah. being a part of the process of what those digital builds will be at the final end of the product. Mm -hmm. And, just, you know, even down to lighting, I mean, every little, we have a lot of hands in the lighting, the set design, how some of the stuff works with the camera. Um, you know, a lot of the practical effects, like it's working with things of like, yeah, they're going to have their own method of how to do the fog, but having the hand in of like what type of fog, if it's, high or if it's low if it's colored if it's you know really thick or something like yeah. that being involved in like making sure that the look of the film is cohesive and sometimes on certain films it's very background it's very uh -huh. you're just trying to make things look almost like you're doing such a good job that no one will know that you did anything sure. yeah yeah where like you're trying to hide elements and not make it look unrealistic mm -hmm. and things just seamless and you want to be invisible and then uh, there's other that I've done where everything is synchronized. It's like a really nicely written out song where everything has its own place and everything has its own way of being done. Mm -hmm. And so we have to have certain colors for certain scenes. And we have to have like on Kevin Smith's film, for instance, I did this one location where we made everything monochromatic and we had mm -hmm. it be one particular accenting color of yellow and yellow and yellow and yellow. Right. It was like the complete opposite of, what the vibe that was happening on screen was. And so we uh -huh. wanted to kind of make it feel twisted where it's like something dark is happening with all these bright colors around it. Things like that where we have like super stylized sets that have to be synchronized. So we work with camera, sound. Um, we work with the props department is, is an integral part of art. Art is a whole thing. Props is like, for instance, anything that anyone's holding or touching yeah. or using with their hands and then set design is all the stuff in the background. So while we are one of the same, two different departments that work diff on different things sometimes entirely. And so it's making sure everything's working closely. We work really closely with wardrobe. Uh, we really, really closely with, you know, all the costumes and everything like that, where we're synchronizing and making sure everybody is on the same page because everybody has their own inputs too, where I'm working with a wardrobe person, and, you know, and they're designing the wardrobe, but they yeah. know that certain locations they're going to be have a color palette that are dark red or, or dark green and they don't want costumes to clash with that so they'll have their own input sure. on how to make that work and so it's cool for me because i like the constant jump around all day yeah it's fun to see every department it's just an excuse to just visit a lot of different people and like meet with people and work with people and like i like being really collaborative i know what i'm good at and so i focus on the art so I like to meet with people that do wardrobe and do the sound and do the camera work. And, and they know more about those types of things than I do, obviously. So yeah. I think it's fun to collaborate with your strong suit 
first. They're bringing their strongest suit to the table. I'm bringing my strongest suit to sure. the table and kind of doing this dance together. And that's really cool. So I think it, it's it's hard to really describe it as one particular thing of what we do, but I think yeah. it's, just, it's the look of the film. It's the style of the film. It's making sure things look correct. You know, some, I've done so much work where we're just making things look normal again, making it look crazy, just making something blend into the background that we had to bring in ourselves because we're a film crew. And so that's sometimes it too, is just hiding equipment. Sometimes we're just right. with hiding equipment in the yeah, background. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't see it or, you know, things like that. So it's always a, a different day. It's always a different, you know, every film is new and every day is different on the film from pre-production of planning everything and purchasing and get everything made. And we have fabrications and we have all these, just so many steps to get like just house made where like, We've got a house that we've got to repaint, redress, bring in maybe some custom items to make it feel right. like it's family or whatever the location is. Mm-hmm. And so every day is just different. And I think for that, it's a lot of fun. You mentioned the Kevin Smith horror film that you, you worked on. I'm a big fan of his, particularly his sort of clerk's ethos of make make films with what you've got available to you. What was it like working on that set with him? Was it that kind of vibe or did you have more resources at your disposal? It was great because, like, you know, he knows what he wants. He's not a pushover uh-huh. by any means. He knows exactly what he wants. He knows how he wants things done. But at the same time, uh, even for someone of his skill level and of his status, uh-huh. he trusts the people that he works with. So, you know, he told everybody there, like, he's a director and he has a job. He said, just like everybody else has a job on this crew, you know, he gets, everybody has their own job. And he respects everybody's own particular job. He, he makes fun of himself or just directors as a whole, a lot of the time as being the one person on the set that he jokes, jokingly says does the most, you know, little physical work or the yeah. little directors kind of get to, you know, he kind of makes light of that, of, of everybody else is doing so much more. And he's just there to, to help orchestrate it and to enjoy the time. And I think the big thing about that is that he's, you can tell he's just a film fan. Mm-hmm. He still is very much a fan, just like he was. Yeah. As a kid, like we all were, and I think that's like, if you're the type of person that works with them who also is just at heart a fan of those things, um, it's a great match. So it was a match mm-hmm. for me because, you know, I was working closely with him on some certain things, and he's very cool with, with people talking to him and very, like, he's very open with his crew. He said it. He's like, anybody wants to, you know, come up and talk to me about anything uh-huh. unrelated, not, you know, he's just that type of guy so working with him you know he would ask ideas you know we had a one day in particular where he wanted to film an exterior uh, at a house location that we had not planned to shoot he knew that if we'd made this decision that something would have to be made quickly mm-hmm. and so i went up and i talked to him about how like all right well we're going to go out and we're going to make this change and we talked just to quickly bounce off of each other like what should we do and he was very cool he was like you just do what you think is going to look the right way. And I think it was just like, that was the biggest project as a time I had worked on. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to make sure I was giving him what he wanted. And, and he was so relaxed about the whole thing. The trusting part was really cool. You know, mm-hmm. we went out, we did the work, we got a, a, a quick kind of set made up real fast. And he liked it. He had a, he really enjoyed it. And it worked for the story. In general, he's just, he's, he's collaborative. He, mm-hmm. he, uh he's nice he's under, you know he's just a he's a good guy to work with you know he knows what he likes he doesn't take forever on mm-hmm. your shot of a shot of you know he knows when it's time to cut the cut the camera and, and i just think he's 
he's just a very self-aware type of guy. So uh, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't speak highly of, of him more. I, you know, if, if I get the chance to work with him again, definitely. That's awesome. So that was, it's an anthology film, right? This. Um, yeah. 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 And so how many sections are there and how many have you worked on? So there's three sections of this film. I worked on parts two and three, and then I worked on the narration part. And so there's different parts about the film where we see different events happening. The first one was done in a certain style. Um, and now I hear that there might be talks of them doing, of them redoing the first part because it's not okay. quite matching up to parts two and three. Right. So I don't know too much about the first part outside of some of the script that I had read that obviously included scenes that I wasn't doing. I knew those were from the beginning. I would say uh, by the end of it, we, we ended up doing a, a good portion of the film after a point where Kevin had kind of changed some courses on what he wanted to do with the project for the yeah. better. So I think that, that at this point they might be reshooting some stuff potentially to make it kind of match a little bit better. Right. And are you hoping to get on that the reshoot? Yeah, the you know, I mean, I think I think that would be great if that happened. Mm-hmm. If not, um, you know, I, I've got to a point where I, you know, I understand that you know it's kind of how the business is, but yeah, yeah. it would be it would be great to be to be back and to kind of to finish up some stuff, especially considering uh, I hadn't done the first part originally. So mm-hmm. it would be cool for me to get it all to kind of line up and match up yeah, as all the cohesiveness stuff. Yeah. So. That's a horror film. You've done family films and music videos and stuff, and even a Bollywood film. A 1930s set Bollywood film in British India. So how how does that compare? How do you go from like a horror film to assembling British yeah. India? So this was again like the, this company that I had worked with, Digital Caviar, production company based out of Tampa, and they were getting a lot of these really great um, pieces that were funded that mm-hmm. they shoot and they were deciding to shoot in Florida. And this was at a point where like I had done the second part of the Kevin Smith film with them already. Mm-hmm. I had done one of the kids film with them already and they had another project coming out at me. And, and what I really liked about them is that there was always some type of like something different that they were bringing that they wanted to work on. They were bringing on a lot of the same core team. So it would be like me as the production designer, and I would get to employ my art team. Mm-hmm. Um, Brandon, my buddy, would be the DP, and he would get all of his camera team. Um, this guy named Devin who would do the sound. And so there's a lot of these core guys, G&E, and all these different departments that were the same department heads project to project. And what I really liked about that was like we were getting to a point where we were getting really efficient as a team working together because me – uh, camera team and G&E particularly were really working well because yeah. we were working on such specific things so closely that it was helping to go from project to project to project, working with them again and again. We were getting better at doing certain things. And so, you know, after a fun movie where I'm working with Dolphins, a Kevin Smith film, and then they go, hey, we're doing an Indian film. I didn't really know much about it at all. I just, uh-huh. it, was, it was period. And I was like, I'm down. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's period. It's Indian. It's, shut, it's set in India, but it's shot in Florida. And I, was, I knew it was going to be a lot of work. And I knew I was going to have to put a lot of time into it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I must have spent weeks just doing research alone mm-hmm. of just Indian research, 
I mean, I'm watching films, I'm reading books, I'm learning about the culture, I'm trying to figure out, you know, I find out that India has their own different meaning for colors. Mm-hmm. So reds, while they might seem like, you know, typically people think of them as an angry color, yeah, India yeah. in an almost complete opposite way. Red is actually more of an endearing color and uh-huh. white is actually their version of red. So it's, it's they have completely different color meanings, uh-huh. which is going to have to be a part of something I was thinking about as, as of doing designs for it mm-hmm. because I wanted it to come across as it was being done like flawlessly, like for real, like it should have. Uh-huh. So I wanted to get all the little details right and then to make it even more of a thing, it's the 1930s and I'm having to think of just particulars like would they have this type of technology uh-huh. in, in essentially what was Europe at the time, in yeah. Europe, in the 30s, like, and I'm just trying to find the correlation and make sure I'm not off on just even like types of, you know, outlets like they did have electricity but it was it was a very different type of system you know and i was trying to make sure we were getting it as right as we could um so that project was that was about like in total for me i think like two and a half months i worked on that film Mm -hmm. and it was it was a challenge i mean i think the biggest day there we had for the art team was i think the art department on that particular film you know we were like 25 deep which for me at the time was was huge i never worked on anything like that where i had a big team of at my disposal because Mm -hmm. we had that were swing gang we had people that were you know we had i think four 24 foot like semi trucks that were bringing cool picture and you know Mm -hmm. decor and we had these big cool elaborate mansions that we were completely customizing and and decking out with all this furniture that was Mm -hmm. just in finance of the film and it was just it was a great project because we were given a lot of responsibility to make a lot happen. Yeah. I just particularly thrive off of that type of stuff really well of like a challenge of something to get done, to make happen. And I'll usually do whatever I can to like rise to the occasion. So it was a, it was a fun project. I had a lot of fun on that. I think you mentioned before production design is like one of those invisible jobs where you sort of you don't want people to notice it almost and so you did so much work on that film you said two and a half months and all the research you had to do and looking into like really little things like the the outlets and stuff do you find it frustrating when you sort of your work almost kind of goes unnoticed like people would notice if it was bad but if you do it right it's kind of you know you know it's funny because I've learned to I have learned to to like that. There was a point, yes, where I it would it would almost frustrate you. But I've now I've noticed that there's the there's the type of work that I I am winning if they're not noticing it. Yeah. The type of work where I'm not winning if if they if they really don't. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think that's kind of you know th- there's films where it really demands the production design to be there and to be known about and to be visually apparent. And mm-hmm. that's where you have to be able to like throw it all the stops and make it look ridiculously over the top and like unforgettable. And then there's moments where your only job is to, to be under the radar and you would never know, like you would think like, oh yeah, that building was already there. And you're like, no, that building wasn't there whatsoever. We had to do this and this and this and this. And we did such a good job that you, you think it's just a real location, you know, and that's yeah. what you want. So I, mm-hmm. I used to think like that, but now if it's the right moment, I... I silently enjoy yeah. nobody, nobody noticing something. You know what I mean? Because I think that's great. That's cool. So you said a lot of your work happens in Florida, but is it taking you outside of the state? Yeah. Um, we did a lot of those films in Florida. And 
at the end of like a good year of doing those, I then got to a point where I was really enjoying working on these projects, but I wanted also to get out and, and meet some yeah. new types of, just not put all my eggs in one basket type of thing. So mm-hmm. um, that was a lot of work too, because it was, it was, I knew in order, it was kind of one of those things where like, you're remember when you're like coming out of college and like, you need experience to get a job. Yeah. You need a job to get experience. And mm-hmm. you're like, How do I? So going out in, I wanted to hit like it, you know, big cities. I wanted to hit like Atlanta, LA. Um, I ended up going out to Austin for a while, which actually mm-hmm. had a lot of cool stuff. And I wanted to hit places that I felt like New York, where I could meet people that could help my career. I could help their career. You know, and, and places that would just make the most sense. And I started going out there, and the, and what I had found out was because I didn't have a lot of experience locally in those places sometimes you wouldn't always get hired or mm-hmm. if you weren't able to just go immediately. So like I would do these interviews where they would say like, Hey, are you a local to Los Angeles? And I wasn't, I was in Florida on the phone. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm a local, I'm a local to Los Angeles. <laughs> like, Great. Can you come out and meet with us tomorrow? And I would say, I would say I'm getting off of a shoot. Yeah. Tomorrow won't do good for me, but I can meet you in like three days. And they'd say, no problem. And they would say that they'd want to meet. And I would fly myself uh-huh. out to Los Angeles to go make the meeting. Yeah. And people would be like, but what if you don't get the job? And I'd be like, I'm aware that I might. Not get the job. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm literally going out there just to see if I can make yeah. the job. And if I don't make the job, I'll enjoy LA for the afternoon. And mm-hmm. I guess leave tomorrow. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't know what to do. So I would go out there and, Luckily for me, nine times out of 10, it would work. Like mm-hmm. I would That's get cool. the job. It, yeah. it, 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 they, they, they wanted me to be there. So I just wouldn't say anything. And then inevitably, you know, a week into the job, it's like, so what part of LA do you live in? And you're, you're like, ah, I live in Florida. And they're like, you moved from Florida? And I'm like, no, I lived there like a week ago. I'm here for this. And what ended up happening was like, it, it turned into a moment where people actually wanted to work with me sometimes more often because they saw that I was like, really willing to like yeah. do whatever I had to to be like I want to meet with you and like have a relationship with like this like this work and mm-hmm. so I just started doing that and that was getting me some jobs that had some like higher clientele on them or like bigger names after doing all those movies in Florida the next year my whole focus was like I need to get big names for my resume like that was yeah. pretty much what I was focused on I was like mm-hmm. I just need big content that I can use to help get myself branched out more and that's what people are looking for i'm just realistically knowing people want to see like familiar sounding names and that's you know and that'll help and so i was like i'm mm-hmm. just going to do that so i'm just jumping around from like atlanta to new york to la and just trying to just meet people and work on different projects and just following the same process and just going and just constantly jumping from like state to state to state yeah and then it started working out and, and then it kind of got to a point where like i didn't have to keep chasing it that way mm-hmm. i got gotten enough credit where I was able to like it's like poker like I was able to gamble them like I was right. able to you know I had enough of them where I could start to get the jobs without having to be like I live here like I was I was actually I was like no I live in Florida yeah. and then people would just like fly me out or like I would so that was like it was nice to enjoy it just mm-hmm. enjoy the, the fact that like I was just getting some slowdown after like a year and a half of like just hustling constantly, like just running around and just running around like nonstop. And then finally being, I was like, all right, at least they're like letting me come out to these projects 
you know, they, they want me to be out here. So that was. Yeah, that's that amazing. Was, so have you got any favorite projects that you've worked on? And I guess, you know, when you work on a project, sometimes you have a great time on a project, but the end result isn't so good, as opposed to you don't have such a great time on the project, but when you see the final thing, you know, you think, oh, that's cool. That's, I'm glad I worked on that. Yeah. The funny part about that is that, like, at the moment, it's the it's the bane of, of the production design existence is you work so hard on some of these projects and just inevitably, especially with smaller films, they don't always go through, you know, post-production as quickly as they ought to. Right. And so I've had a, a good amount of projects that are just still like in limbo, nothing like okay. they're, they are, they are coming out, but they're just still being wrapped up. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of big ones that I'm dying to still see in that vein, but I have, um, it's given me kind of the ability of just like, not even just with projects that I work on on my own. Mm-hmm. Of, there's a lot of films that I get slack for that I actually enjoy now that are not typically good films, but like right. they had great, they had like great production design behind yeah. them and they had other elements of them that were just like more visual focused that I mm-hmm. really like. So it's kind of done that for me. Um, as far as working though, I would say probably my favorite projects would end up being either um the kevin smith film that, that, that was probably one of my favorite projects and um i just did a project with sean astin actually not too long ago oh cool yeah and that, that was a film that we had shot in miami with judd hirsch and sean astin and carol kane nice. and that film was, was a lot of fun it was a mm-hmm. it was an it was an art film you know we had a lot of setups that were based in museums or based in um big parts of miami art culture so that was really fun from a production design standpoint because it was just like reveling in a lot of artistic stuff so you've done horror you've done bollywood you've done family movies you've done music videos is there a genre you're itching to get your hands on in terms of production design Uh, definitely sci-fi yeah yeah i yeah and i really like doing period pieces i because mm-hmm. uh, i did i did the 30s one and then i not too long ago did one that took place in the 80s and that was a lot mm-hmm. of fun with like 80s hair bands so i'm i'm looking at doing like sci-fi and i'd love yeah. to do something like the 50s era or the 20s gatsby type of you know type of era and 70s would be would be a lot of fun too you have to get over to uh to pinewood studios in england because that's where i think they're doing all the star wars studio shoots there at the moment so yeah you need to get your resume then, over there that's what i need to do actually you're right there's uh there's actually some great uh some people over there actually i we worked with this one um producer who uh does some great projects over at pinewood she, she uh, works on some of the star wars films uh she she worked on a film with us in in tampa actually of all mm-hmm. so yeah that would be i think that would be like the ultimate goal would be to to work on something like that, where you're working with like a like a Neil Blomkamp type mm-hmm. of sci-fi director, like he, he's probably got some of the best visuals when it comes to like sci-fi stuff. Like Absolutely. he does a lot yeah. of the great like 3D rendering, but he has this dirty aesthetic on everything. Yeah. It's it's a nice look. So he's someone you want to work with. Anybody else? Wishlist would probably be Neil Blomkamp. David Fincher would be somebody I'd love to work oh, with. Yeah. with yeah. And definitely, I mean Scorsese, somebody like mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? Those guys, I think, are, are some of the directors that have some of the most, some of the best visual instincts uh, that I've seen. You know, some directors are just, are just so good at that. They 
really hone in on the production design look of, of everything and, and how they want the film to feel from so many perspectives. And I think that's really cool when, when they have a lot of coordination like that. That's cool. So going back to the your filmmaking then, what was it that drew you to filmmaking? Who were your favorite filmmakers? Who, what were the, the films that inspired you to, to want to get into it? Probably it would be Back to the Future, uh, Terminator 2, mm-hmm. and Goodfellas were the three films that like set up me wanting to be a filmmaker. I mean, I was always really into movies growing up. I've always just been a big fan of movies, yeah. but that particular, those particular films for different reasons just made me fall in love with filmmaking. And I think that's why production design ended up becoming such a cool thing for me because mm-hmm. I thought about it in the sense of like production design is to me the most quintessential idea of I think what most kids have when they think of films in the terms of like, you think of a movie and what do you think of like back to the future? You think of like that car, like that yep. was a, a prop built by the art department, mm-hmm. like that car, or you think of like the hoverboard or you think about the lightsaber from star Absolutely. Wars. Or you think about the, the millennium Falcon ship. Like yeah. a lot of it has to do with like, as a kid, whatever the world was or like, however immersed you could get into it. And, and like indirectly that kind of is, something a lot like production design and that's what I was so motivated by was like wanting to still have that feeling of like being a kid where you're just like this whole fake world that you're in mm-hmm. and I think that's why I was I gravitated towards it so much so like Terminator 2 is probably one of the best action films of all time I Absolutely. think it's a classic it's mm-hmm. just always a good film and it's got some of the best lines and the best stunts so that one was great and then just Back to the Future was on the level of like really sucking me into like that world i was Mm -hmm. so consumed by how much that world was realistic and the fact that they transitioned from like the 1980s to the 1950s in the same movie and it was so realistic Mm -hmm. and it was the same town like they showed the same town but they showed it in two different versions and stuff like that was just like it blew my mind Mm -hmm. and i wanted to know so much more about that i was always a big fan of like behind the scenes videos yeah, or any, yeah. like any of the making ofs or anything like that and then goodfellas was like the first movie that i ever watched as a child that i un- i started to understand like good dialogue i was like mm-hmm. this is this is some yes action scenes are great but there's so many yeah. good things in just really good dialogue and like mm-hmm. really good scenes and really good like conversations and characters and that was another one that was like fascinating with that's cool. So did you kind of drift into filmmaking or did you ever have like a sort of a, a filmmaking epiphany where you're like, no, this is what I want to do? It was young. It was like, um, I think I bought my first Mac at 11 or 12 years old. And it was at the time, it was one of the very first Mac minis that came out. Yeah. And that alone, I think it was still like, it was like 900 bucks. Like, mm-hmm. and, I, and I remember having to like save every penny of like allowance that I could get just trying to get to that computer because I had seen a friend's dad or somebody like have one and had seen all these like options of what you can do with these different programs and being so fascinated by like making custom movies because prior to that having a Mac I was doing like I had an old camera for my dad so I was just doing like old school erase like I would rewind the tape up to Mm -hmm. the edit point and just like film over it and just have to like manually cut yeah big big vhs tapes and like 
recording music over top of it and stuff like that. And and so getting a computer was a, a huge deal. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I always, I don't know if it was always that I was like, this is what I'm gonna do with my life. It was more of just like, this is what I like doing. Mm-hmm. And I just happened to grow up in a time where like we were getting introduced to like home editing software. Yeah. And I actually do some stuff like that. So I just started out simply like at 10, 11, whenever I got the computer, like just doing footage I would find off the internet and just like recutting, like, you know, recutting trailers. Like that was what I would do. So as I was getting older and I was working in the business, like or starting to at least, like I was still just cutting like footage that was just very simple. So that's why I Am Super was such a big deal. Cause it was the first mm-hmm. time I was like getting something shot professionally. It yeah. was like something I had actually come up with. And I thought that that was a great time. So mm-hmm. it kind of was always there with me and I just kind of never wanted to give up the dream. And then eventually it kind of worked out. Fantastic. So have you got any low budget indie film recommendations? I would say low budget indie film recommendations. I would say definitely one of the first ones. It was the, it was a film that inspired me to make I Am Super. Um, there's a film called Just Super, Just Plain right. Super. The James Gunn film. Yeah, film. yeah, brilliant. That movie, uh, on paper, are, are, you would think that my film is very much similar to his. It's, it's really not because his is just so much more uh, honed in and has such a cool quirk to it. Um, but it was an inspiration that I thought was fun. And then another one I would recommend, it was when I was really started to write more, it really gave mm-hmm. me like a, a big writing bug, is a movie called uh, The Wackness. Oh yeah, which yeah. is by a director called Jonathan Levine, who's done some really good films. And like that movie takes place in the '90s, and just about this like drug dealer smells pot and falls in love, and like that's the whole story. It's just very simple. It's got great music. It takes place in like New York City in the '90s. Yeah, it's fun. It's just a fun movie. It's what some movies should be, just fun. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, fantastic. What's next for you then? What? I guess on two levels, your production design aspirations and your filmmaking aspirations. Where do you want to go? I've got a I've got a pilot that I've been writing with my friend. Well, it's more than a, of a pilot now and more now of a series where we've been writing these episodes for the show for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. I think as a filmmaker, that's kind of where it makes the most sense that I might be able to get to is finally get this pilot made and I'm hoping to eventually get it made. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of, again, one of those finance things where... Mm-hmm. It'll take some, you know, it'll take some financing to get enough money to make a pilot made, a proper pilot. But I think once we get it there, I think we've got some potential. And that's what I'm kind of trying to see where that fits into my future. And then I think as a production designer, you know, I think really at this point, I'm, I'm ready to start going to another area that I've been hoping to, which is still definitely production designing, but kind of running almost like a prop shop, you know, getting, getting custom orders from different projects or different studios where they need you know, whether it be weapons or whether it be custom hand props or things like that nature, I think would be a lot of nice. fun. I, I ended up getting a big fun, fondness of doing that type of work, just kind of yeah. sitting in a warehouse, creating different things for, for projects. That's been a big thing I like to do. So that would be kind of where I'd like to move into. That's amazing. Well, thanks for your time. Much appreciated. And if people want to get in touch, say hi, procure your services, how can they get in touch with you? production designer, filmmaker. My Instagram is Brandon Agen PD. I'm on there. And then I'm also on my website, which is just Brandon Agen PD. 
Huge thanks again to Brandon Agan for jumping on this podcast with me. Once again, if you want to get in touch, his Instagram is brandonagenpd and his website is brandonagencreative.com. His website is packed with stills and videos from his films and production design work and his short films I Am Super and Solace are both available on YouTube or Vimeo. And that's about it, so thanks for listening if you made it this far. Indie Filmopolis the podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify and YouTube. If you'd like to get in touch with your own short or indie film recommendations or just want to follow our updates and posts, you can reach us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Indie Filmopolis. You can also find myself on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram by searching for Filmmaker, P-H-I-L-M-M-A-K-E-R. And you can follow the progress of our very own low-budget flick, Homeworst Enemy, on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Homeworst Enemy Movie. So that's it. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.